Welcome to Sales Enabled, the podcast for salespeople, sales leaders, and sales enablers everywhere who are committed to making the sales profession better for everyone involved. Hey, everybody, in episode 24, I'm speaking with Jim Reese, an executive coach, motivational speaker, author, and ultra cyclist, in a deep discussion on the critical aspects of emotional intelligence and personal development. Emotional intelligence and mental toughness are hugely important in the business world today as pressures mount and people feel like they're increasingly expected to deliver more with less. In this conversation, Jim and I discuss the importance of emotional intelligence and communication, especially for leaders, and how it is important that we all think about what fingerprints we want to leave as a result of our different interactions. We also go into the psychology of success and what it takes to really achieve your goals by understanding Jim's ABCs of success model. This is a topic that I see growing in importance over time, and Jim does an excellent job of taking me through the concepts of emotional intelligence, as well as sharing plenty of practical techniques we can all use to bring this into our daily lives. So let's get on with it and jump into the conversation. Jim, good morning. It's great to see you again, my friend. Uh, Glad we've caught you before the golf course as well. I hear (laughs) there. You can have a a ruined walk. (laughs) Well, that's what they say. They say a spoil, a long walk spoil, but... um... There's at least a couple of good shots in that hundred or whatever I shoot when I go around. So, and I get a little bit of exercise. It's only a little bit of exercise um, in comparison to some of the stuff I get up to in my spare time. But yeah, and and also typically England is providing us with that sort of uh, dreary sort of weather as well. But you know, it's always sunny in my head. So um, I'll be I'll be skipping around the golf course later today. Brilliant. That's uh, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about is is the sunny side inside of people's heads. And actually, you're the expert on emotional intelligence. And for listeners, um, this is the second time we've run this. We, we had this similar conversation, not the same, similar conversation a few weeks ago. And then because of my amazing technical abilities, we had to scrap that because of the recording. So excited to jump into this or jump back into this conversation again and and kind of pick up the topic but i guess there's a few things that have changed since our last uh conversation i just want to highlight a few of them because this is this is really the crux of of what we want to talk about so three things that i've uh, experienced i guess number one is a a good friend of mine posted uh about his personal challenges on linkedin started saying some of the challenges he's having behind the scenes stuff that you would never see on linkedin Right? And yeah. you just start to think, okay, well, that's interesting because the work persona versus the personal persona, and especially on social media, isn't always the same. We don't always know what's going on. Second one is uh, a guy I went to school with. I don't go on Facebook often, but I saw this one, and he put, uh, you know, I'm I'm leaving people, and uh, sorry, I've been a burden. And then two days later, I actually said, okay, I'm I'm still in hospital. I'm, I'm okay, but it was like something wow. else is, is meant, and you just you just don't know what's no. going on with these people and then the third one is matthew perry obviously chandler from friends just recently um the the epitome of success for many people but having this this darkness inside and, and many of us have that darkness right that we have to i think you say cloak or find a way of hiding and, and putting on a brave face and really this this one i guess is for the sales leaders is is work is an emotional place work is where we in theory should bring our entire identity and so the, the role of a leader is understanding people. And I guess for you, the model for understanding leadership and understanding people is emotional intelligence, right? So yeah. that's the frame of the conversation. 
uh, for today. And I think there's going to be some amazing things we draw out. But let me we'll start off. How did how did you get started in in the journey of emotional intelligence? What was the trigger point for you to think, okay, I need to look into this a bit more? It was. Uh, it's interesting. It's a great question, Dan, and and it's a great to be back again. <laughs> Part two, sort of like um, Terminator Two is sort of back. You know, it's quite it's funny. Good, good um, and yeah, it is a good. I think it is the better one, actually, to be fair. And um, so, how did I get into coaching and emotional intelligence? I used to be. Um, I used to sell drugs. And the legal type of course i know, I know. <laughs> so you know you know that so i used to work for astrazeneca many years ago carrying the bag and then got into sales management and sales training and then through a breakup i changed i was moving from yorkshire down to london and at the time couldn't get the level of job i wanted within the pharmaceutical industry so a good friend of mine who had already jumped out of the pharmaceutical industry who had uh, started coaching and doing keynote speaking and stuff said why don't you come and work for speakers international so that's where my journey started back in 2000 so 23 years ago uh, i jumped from the pharmaceutical industry taking a bit of a risk but actually i was quite excited about the change and very quickly i realized that yeah this is this is my thing and and it wasn't, you know, so I didn't choose coaching. It sort of almost chose me. So and then since then, I snuck away from Speakers International and for the last 20 years have had my own business and focusing on very specifically one to one coaching with very senior leaders in the corporate world. I also love working with leaders or a, a CEO and their their team, you know, taking them from not playing particularly nicely together to, you know, high high performing teams and then also do other stuff you know the keynote speaking at conference so emotional intelligence became a big piece for me because actually there weren't that many instruments out there that could measure emotional intelligence particularly well and i through a research of a friend of mine he did a load of research looking at the different questionnaires that were available at the time and he landed on a company called jca who developed their own emotional intelligence model. Most people who know anything much about emotional intelligence will have heard of Daniel Goleman. And he has a company called The Hay Group, and they do some great work as well in this field, of course. And I think they're the most known, but actually the, the probably the secret weapon, the secret uh, source, if you like, is JCA stuff. They developed a model which is extremely robust. It goes deeper than all the other models that are out there so it's it's like the heineken of the the beers it, it refreshes the parts that all the others don't don't so it measures self-regard and regard for others so self-regard is how comfortable am i in my skin as a human being and regard for others is how okay am i with other people so as i say that it reminds me of the okay corral which you might have heard of which is the the life positions that we form very early in life and it's like my set of glasses. It's, you know, how do I view myself? Do I do I love and accept myself, warts and all? And do I love and accept others, uh, even though I might have a different view and opinion of their view and opinions? And going back to your introduction and speaking about your your couple of examples of friends that are close, and Matthew Perry's example, we all have a story, and a lot of the time we attempt 
we we do actually cloak it we dampen that story down and we don't always show we aren't vulnerable enough brave enough courageous enough to share our true selves because actually we're in fear of then being disliked and of course we have a propensity towards being liked we like to be liked that's nice it's it, it makes us feel fluffy and it's that's in, that's important for all of us so i love the fact that your friends posting stuff on linkedin and and is vulnerable enough to be able to share that stuff and it's no surprise that he's getting some traction uh, stephen bartlett the diary of a ceo he's um become more vulnerable in his sharing of stuff in his life and people are completely addicted to those stories and it's not a, so we're all addicted to stuff and and some of those addictions are healthy healthy patterns so you know i don't know matthew perry personally or your friends that you um, mention but some of those patterns aren't particularly healthy drugs alcohol sex you know there's a whole load of stuff for me i i just mangled myself physically so you know that that dampened down the emotional turmoil that was going on for me so being able to know that is really important know the patterns of behaviors that we have and i call them you know so we know what our strengths are that's important and and then work on those because they're the thing that are going to help you leverage the goals that you're pursuing and then the the big thing for most people is try to uncover the blind spots. What are your blind spots in your life? What patterns are you running that you're not aware of that are creating complete havoc in your personal relationships and your professional relationships? Now, I know we've gone deep straight into this conversation. So maybe if we sort of zoom back out a little bit and talk about um, emotional intelligence. So what is it? So basically, Emotional intelligence is paying attention. So we're all emotional beings. We all have emotions. And when you suppress those, it's not healthy because they're going to bubble up somewhere. Um, they'll bubble up when you knee-jerk respond to something that's not gone your way or not panned out the way you would have hoped, hoped it might have. So then you have what we call in emotional intelligence speak an amygdala hijack, and then you knee-jerk and you have a rat at somebody or you say something inappropriate and then you're in a spiral downwards straight away. So you've lost, you, you're not managing your state effectively. So it's it's really funny because the, the question is, are you in a, so from a sales perspective, are you in the right state, you know, to be able to have the conversation that you're gonna have with this client, or are you in a right state, you know, <laughs> like ah, you're freaking out and you're not in a good space at all. So there are ways to be able to navigate that. So emotional intelligence is first off paying attention and noticing those emotions and and saying ah oh, okay so i'm feeling something right now instead of dampening it down because most people suppress it straight away and they try and you know push through it so paying attention to it so awareness is key so paying attention to what what's that about where's it come from why am i feeling like this and then deliberately doing something different to change how you show up if that makes that that's a fairly simple sort of ex explanation yeah and the overarching model that i use when i'm working with uh, someone one-on-one -on -one or whether i'm working with a team is the abc of success and that's very easy it's a really simple model to 
remember. But maybe before I get into that, um, you might have something to say about me. I've just bleated on for 10 minutes. <laughs> so. this is, no, I'm, I'm glad we went deep and I'm glad we kind of, we're, we're not going to sugarcoat this. We, we want to talk about all of the issues. I think, as you, as you mentioned, there's, and, and we'll talk about the I'm okay, you're okay model in a minute, but the self-regard and, and regard for others, I think is a huge part of this emotional intelligence thing. And I, I know we're, we're going to be focusing a lot on sales leaders in this and, and that relationship between leader and subordinate is, is a huge one, especially with that kind of power battle on those, those lenses he talked about. But it does start with, with emotional awareness. It does start yeah. with that ability to to say that whatever emotion I'm feeling is okay, but I can't let it dominate my behaviors, right? And I think that's, you know, you're in the right state or a right state is whatever state we're in, whatever emotion we're in, whatever's going on for us behind the scenes, not to squash it, damp it, that's only gonna lead to bad things, but is to say, okay, well, how can I, how can I adjust my behavior? How can I adjust my, at least communication pattern and then go on and, and deal with the, with the source of things. So. I think it is super important and you know just for listeners no no emotion is bad to be feeling you just don't want to stay in that emotion i think that's the ability to flow in and out i think is yeah. is the important part so let's talk about that let's just jump into your abcs of success what is what is that how did you develop that idea um how do we use that in a sales and sales leadership perspective yeah, I was looking for, you know, early doors when I first went out solo as a lone wolf, as a, a executive coach in the corporate world, I wanted something that was memorable. So as a keynote speaker, I've heard, I've seen and listened to hundreds of speakers in my lifetime as a, as a coach. And a lot of the time they're then they're bought in, they're sort of parachuted into a conference to rah-rah the whole team and get them all excited and motivated and off everyone goes and they feel, they feel good for a period of time. And unfortunately it is, it's a bit like, oh, they've given us an, an injection of enthusiasm for a period of time, but there's nothing that you can really grab onto and it doesn't stick necessarily. So the model I developed because I wanted some, I wanted them to be able to take something away from it and use it immediately. So, you know, it's a very easy model to remember. So there is the ABC of success, but before I get into that, I'm going to share the, with you the ABC of failure, which um, some people do operate. So I'll just very quickly skip through that. So the A in the ABC of failure is anger. Mm. So whenever we use anger, or whether it, whenever I've used anger in a situation, it's never served me well. And anger really, the only way I can see it serving anyone really is if you're up against it and someone's trying to kill you, you know, and you're trying to fight back, that might be one of the only situations where I can really see it, you know, being a useful um, approach for you. So whenever I've lobbed anger at a situation, it's never served me. The outcomes never really sort of panned out particularly well. So, you know, having getting in a sort of a verbal argument doesn't work. It doesn't, <laughs> it's not a nice way to play. You need to be playing nicely. Yeah. Um, the B is blame. So whenever I've blamed um, a circumstance or someone else or not taken full responsibility for my end in the whatever it is that I'm faced with, I lose an opportunity to grow. 
and that's the challenge for most people we 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 show up with anger and then we blame stuff we blame the government the environment my partner the kids my boss the products you know etc 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 and there's a ton of it eeyore is a really good example of blaming you know oh thanks for noticing me I'm sure it's not going to go well today. You know, I could blame the weather for a poor game of golf later, you know, but actually it's my skill with the golf clubs, not, not got nothing to do with the weather. Yeah. Um, and then the C is complain. And I think the British public, uh, British people, I mean, I'm English born and grew up in Australia, but I think if complaining was a, uh, an Olympic sport, I'm pretty sure we'd get um, gold quite a number of times. We're very good at complaining about stuff. Now, if you were complaining in an emotionally intelligent way, that's very different. But most people just lease on and complain about, you know, don't you know who I am? You know, why didn't I get this five star room instead of this, you know, pokey little one bedroom thing or whatever it is? You know, so it's about complaining in the right way. So that's the ABC of failure. And a lot of people need to recognize where are they getting stuck in some of that pattern? And, and a lot of the time it is about not taking a hundred percent responsibility for your stuff. Okay. Okay. So let's get into the ABC of success. Enough yeah. of that sort of um, the dark side of the ABC um, strategy. I, I like that though, but just, just come back to it. Anger for me is, is one of those ones where, like you say, people think it has energy and it does, right? It does. But you know, and people will know I've been bodybuilding this year. Um, I, if, I, if I'm angry during a workout, you know, okay, I have an angry playlist. Like it, it gets me into that frame of mind. It's, it's good for energy, but it doesn't necessarily give me the best workout. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thrashing. I'm just not, I'm not in control. I'm not able to do the things that I need to do. I'm just rah, overwhelmed. Um, so I think that's a really good call. Like it's, it's, it's about channeling the energy, just not exploding full of the energy. Um, so yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's look at the control, controlled, controlled aggression, I suppose, would be a way of looking at it in a healthy way. Right. You know, so, you know, if I think about the, the world cup, you know, New Zealand and South Africa, that's controlled aggression, you know, real yeah. steely determination in the face of adversity when you're facing off someone that's, you know, a, a fierce competitor. Yeah. That that well, would be a healthier way of doing it. Well, my background is American football, right? And, you know, we go back. Aggression, controlled aggression is one of the most important things you need, especially in rugby as well. But if you lose control of that and we, you go into anger, that's when the penalties occur. Yep. That's when all the flags start flying. And I think didn't England lose like in the last couple of minutes because of a penalty? It's, yeah, it's it that, was. It's kind of, it's that lo loss of control you can harness the energy great becomes aggression that's super yeah. powerful but if yeah. it's anger and it's uncontrolled then you know you just things are going to go wrong yeah 100 percent. so the abc of success okay so the a is awareness and awareness is a huge huge topic you know so as a coach mm -hmm. i spend a lot of time creating awareness and it's basically awareness of the patterns that we're running mm -hmm. and awareness of how we're showing up so I suppose the best way I can explain it is using my fingerprint metaphor, which I shared with you last time when we recorded all this, but it's it's lost. It's been lost. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share this. Digital yeah, exactly. Somewhere. It's it's there somewhere. Someone someone might get a hold of it. Um so the metaphor I use is the fingerprint metaphor, Dan, which you're familiar with, but your listeners might not have heard of this before. So every interaction, every conversation I have with you or anyone else. I leave my personal fingerprint in that conversation. 
Now, depending on how emotionally intelligent I am, if I've got really high emotional intelligence, I'll leave a positive fingerprint deliberately. I will go out of my way to deliberately leave a positive fingerprint in that situation. Mm -hmm. So similarly, like if I pick this glass up, if I've got a high emotional intelligence, I'll leave my personal fingerprint on the glass because it's unique to me. It's my fingerprint. Yeah. Okay. So, so high emotional intelligence, good outcome. Someone that's got a mediocre emotional intelligence, so some days good, some days like, ah, not so good. I'll pick the glass up, I'll leave a fingerprint on it, but I might actually, on the bad days, crack, leave a crack in the glass, mm, okay? Yep. And then if you follow the metaphor all the way through, if I've got no emotional intelligence or very little emotional intelligence, I'll pick the glass up and I might shatter the glass yeah and i i know you know i've experienced and i'm sure you may well have experienced in your career uh leaders that have done that so leaders need to be really conscious so awareness of the fingerprint that you leave in every interaction every conversation is significant because people all eyes are on you as the leader so you've got to be conscious of the fingerprint that you're leaving in all of those interactions no matter how subtle mm -hmm. so it could be just an eye roll it could be a tut that you know they dismiss you in a in a team meeting for example all those things are going on and people's eyes are, are all on focused on the leader and how they might respond to certain situations so you've got to be conscious of that and and just very quickly i'm going to share the three significant groups that we've got to be conscious of with the fingerprint metaphor and and i know i remember the conversation we had last time about this so position number one is our intimate relationships and what i mean by that is our our kids our partners if we've got them our family our close friends so that circle that is really your life support system they're the people that are, are supporting you to do all the things that you need to go out and do and perform uh, as a as a person as a leader in your own right and the challenge is that we take that group for granted. You know, we forget just, you know, just how great they are in terms of they're our life support system. And so that's position number one. So being conscious of making a real effort towards the people that are that count, that, that really count. I mean, really yeah. count in our lives. Position number two is the people that we work with. You know, we, we spend a load of time at work. So being conscious of how we're showing up at work and making sure that, you know, in the corridor when we're passing someone that, you know, you normally say hi and good morning and you notice that they're just not off, they're off a little bit. And instead of walking past because you're busy, you just pay a little bit more attention and you have a proper conversation with them. So, get, you know, just going winding back to your friend that you were talking about on Facebook that said, ciao I'm, I'm checking out it's like wow i mean that that, that sent chills through me when you said it and i did a lot of work for um a charity over in ireland called um, cycle against suicide so i did a lot of talks and cycled around ireland uh, promoting the the whole concept of and and the, and this this label has stuck and lots of other organizations and charities are starting to talk about it from a mental health perspective is their label was it's okay not to be okay mm. yep. and it's okay to ask for help so that was their main thrust of their campaign and i really love the fact that they're, they're doing it now here's the thing about mental well-being 
it's, I know you're sitting down and I'm, I'm hoping that most people that are going to be listening to this are sitting down when you hear this. One trillion, one trillion dollars per year is lost globally to people being off sick, depressed, anxious, stressed. Uh, so their mental well-being is denting the productivity of organizations globally. And that comes from the World Health Organization. So this 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 information is pretty like wow. I mean, when I, when you that's not a figure that you you don't talk about trillions very often. You know, like a trillion, so a million million dollars, or uh, sorry, yeah, dollars, is being lost in productivity. So people off work, sick, stressed. Now here's the thing for leaders to be aware of. And we're still in the wet, uh, awareness piece mm -hmm. right, right at the moment. Their most important role is to make me. So if I'm working for you as, and you're my boss and you're my leader, your most important role is to make me feel good about myself. And what you're doing, what you're doing there is you're paying attention to my self-regard. So you're growing my self-regard. So that's nurturing your self-regard. And if I think about it in a context of an acorn, an acorn what's the potential of an acorn well going to a massive massive oak tree yeah <laughs> huge and, yeah and, and what's its ultimate potential and to go on and make lots more acorns I'm yeah <laughs> yeah a, for a forest an, inf <laughs> yeah. an infinity a, a, a forest that's a, yep. infinite that's infinite yeah <clears throat> the only way that happens is when the acorns planted that it's nurtured mm. and it's taken care of yeah the same thing applies to leadership. Phenomenal leaders are exceptionally good at developing their people, um, engaging with their people. So the data around emotional intelligence is so, I mean, Dan, it's so compelling. Yep. Organization should be absolutely 100% investing in their development of their leaders, of their teams around emotional intelligence it inc it's it the data is overwhelming the the white paper that was published some time ago now shows that you increase performance that's that's a given so you get an increase in performance you get an increase in engagement and the engagement uh, stats from gallup are poor you know in the last 10 15 years it's gone from 13 13 percent of people are fully engaged to 21 percent so not a significant jump so we haven't got enough fully engaged people in the workforce, in the workplace. So it's really important for leaders to pay attention to developing their emotional intelligence because it works. And then, yeah. of course, it has a massive impact on people's well-being. So if they feel better about themselves, then they're able to offer and show up in a better space. So it just it's sort of like common sense. But of yeah. course, common sense isn't common practice. We know that. Well, let's we'll get into the data because I know this can be, and I love the word fluffy. This can be a very fluffy topic, but we want to take this into kind of the granular, measurable area as well. And I th we'll, we'll talk about scales and, and ways we can measure intelligence and, and the impact of it, emotional intelligence. Um, but let's just quickly go back to the awareness thing because, I, you know, I've I've done some work in this, probably not as much as I need to. So I would consider myself to be at least, I'd say above average. Let's go with that. That's a, a compliment yep. for myself today. Um, but I'm I'm not intentional in all of my engagements. And I like that idea of being intentional about the fingerprint. And I remember this was, I was do, do, doing a training. This was years ago in India, right? 
and I was on the opposite side of the world to a training coordinator that I was working with. Literally, the, you know, we were opposite sides of the planet. And there was a moment, there was one moment where I was stressed before a training because something hadn't happened. And I sent a one-line email. And the intention was to send something quickly, but it didn't land. And it was just, and I remember my boss at the time saying, look, dude, you know, senior, junior, right? It's, it's another thing. Did I, did I see myself as a leader in that moment? No, I didn't. I saw myself as a, a just a producer. Um, and, and that's the thing, you know, when we're, when we're at the front of the room or a leadership role, we're always a leader. And he, he just, he reminded me in, in the way that only he could to check my engines. Like in pilots always do that, right? Yeah. Pilots before they take off, they go through a list of, of checks, not because they're worried that anything's going to do, but it's, it's the, the thing that you do to make sure that everything is correct. And he said, check your engines. That's something that's stuck with me. And, and even to this day, I use Grammarly. And I don't know if you've got the like, little face there. It kind of gives me a good idea as to what kind of message I'm sending. So I do need to be, remind myself to be intentional with the fingerprint I want to leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, a good, good way. So we, we spoke about um, intimate relationships. Mm work relationships position number two and position number three finally is the rest of the world mm. so a lot of people aren't really particularly bothered about those brief interactions with someone that's random so you know when you're paying uh, for your sandwiches when you've gone and got a meal deal or something or at a restaurant or filling yeah. up your car at the petrol station that brief interaction so leaving a positive fingerprint in that situation as well is is critical because of course if we were all conscious of the fingerprint that we were leaving and deliberately going out of our way to leave a positive fingerprint the world would be a much better place definitely and definitely. um it, it's i i personally feel it's really important to get this message out to as many people as possible to create the awareness of okay so how are you showing up so you yeah. can self calibrate we we have that ability we're we're clever human beings so we can we can check in with ourselves and say okay i need to do a little bit of uh, slow my heart rate down get myself in a in a good state before i start this conversation or even do a pre-think through you know sort of like a pre-sales call you know what are my objectives here you know i want to stay in a good state i want to be able to access my ability to handle any bombardment i get with questions from a client or any objections i might get so being in a good state allows you to be able to access your problem solving skills your creativity etc to be able to handle some of those tricky conversations that you might need to navigate and we all have to navigate them let's face it yeah we do this preparation before sales meetings anyway so let's just be yeah. intentional about the the emotions that we want to bring and that we want to leave at the end of the thing yeah, yeah. great so so yeah so that's the that's the a of the abc the b mm -hmm. is one that just drives pretty much everything in our lives which is beliefs you know what are your beliefs about yourself um most importantly so what what a, what a, what's your belief about your ability to sell and influence um sell sell things and influence people um your belief about your boss your belief about your products your belief about um your potential etc 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 so your beliefs and and the great thing about beliefs is they come in just two shapes and sizes you either have a limiting belief or you have an empowering belief so whether you whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't and of course you know henry ford's quote you know if you think you can or if you think you can't you're probably right so this is where beliefs play a massive massive role and most people don't check 
they don't go deep enough to check their beliefs they don't they've they've been conditioned into them and then they just accept it as though it's normal for them mm-hmm. so when you start getting onto and peeling beneath the layers of you know the skin you start to understand ah oh, okay yeah i i have held that belief for a long time but actually and of course how long does it take to change a belief in a heartbeat you know if you've got new data new evidence that all of a sudden just blows your previous belief out of the water then your belief is changed transformed so belief is a big piece of what i do as a coach and then finally and this is the bit that actually gets most people is the c and it's the commitment to seeing it all the way through to completion so you know you're doing your um bodybuilding stuff at the moment you know your commitment to that end goal and doing whatever it takes getting up at four o'clock to go and do the sessions um each day etc you know the diet and all these rituals that you will have to monitor and stay on top of it's your commitment to seeing it all the way through now most people what they tend to do is they settle for less Mm. so they set a goal and they say okay i want to give up smoking let's just just take smoking for an example it's a great example really because some people might be smoking let's just say 20. let's just say 20 is sort of an average reasonable figure for a, a fairly committed smoker and they decide in the new year that they want to give up smoking so they start in january one they start by you know quitting gold going cold turkey and then all of a sudden someone sort of grabs them and says oh you know why don't you come outside you know you don't really want to quit i know it's hard you know and they get talked into maybe lighting up a few times so they've gone from 20 down to maybe five and then and then they get stuck in that pattern of okay well i'm not smoking 20 but I'm now only smoking five or yeah. I switch to these, these vapes devices. Some, yeah. Oh. They might switch to a vape thinking that that's actually a healthier option. Um, it's still not particularly healthy for them. Bless them. Yeah. So they settle for less instead of, you know, staying with the goal. So try and stay attached to the feeling that you had when you made the decision to do whatever it was that you were going to do. So when you made the decision to, um go into bodybuilding you were all excited and you know looking forward to the whole process and transformation remind yourself of that that moment that and how you felt in that moment when you were making that decision instead of the cold morning when you're waking up freezing cold having to go to the gym to do your workout it's reminding yourself of the energy that you had and the feeling that you had about the whole thing of you know the momentum that you're going to create with your new habits yeah there's there's so much i want to unpack on this but the the commitment piece and if we go back to bodybuilding transformation element is is it it's not letting yourself off the hook it's mm-hmm. not settling for something that's sorry but if my goal is here i get closer to it i'm like oh, i'm still not there and, and like you say many people are ah, oh, it's better than it was so it's not letting yourself off the hook and i think that that's just about uh, you know somebody that i like actually ceo of the company i work with at the moment calls it the mir- mirror of honesty the mirror of honesty and it's just looking in that mirror and going am i where i want to be yet yeah and in in, in the mirror of honesty you can't lie to yourself it's just like, ah, i'm not there no and, and, that, and that, that's a great <laughs> example because in coaching we call it the mirror work so yeah it's yeah. holding a mirror up to yourself and actually mm. if you're looking to lose weight 
the mirror doesn't lie. It's no. sort of like you look oh. in the mirror and you think, ah, I've still got a bit of timber on me, you know. So the, the, the mirror, the photos you have to send to your coach, all of those things. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. And um, what you're what you're doing there is you're using um, the classic old principle of pain and pleasure. Yeah. So pain, if um, pain and pleasure is the decision that 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 principle is the reason that you know that that covers every decision that we make in our life, pain and pleasure. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and there's a lot of pain that has to go into getting that end result. Yeah, but if you if you look towards the pleasure of actually the shape yeah. that you're in and winning some of the competitions that you might enter, that's that's what you've got to focus on, not exactly. the the pain of getting up yeah. in the morning first thing and not seeing the kids, your daughter, yeah. your daughter, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and yeah. and your wife and all those things. So what you're missing out on, that's got to be you've got to focus on the pleasure aspect of yeah. it exactly one thing i want to just unpack a little bit is beliefs because you mentioned that it's, it's kind of one of the key points how do people become aware of their beliefs i i have my style of, of thinking about beliefs and, and kind of how they're structured but how do you get people to be aware of the thoughts that are going on and, and whether they're empowering or limiting uh the best the best way and most coaches will tell you this and you'll know this as well is keep a journal so um, a journal is one of the best ways to do it. Yeah. Another really good way of doing it is to check out what values you have. So a lot of people aren't fully aware of what values they have. So if you look at the iceberg model, you know the, the iceberg model really well. And below the surface is your beliefs. That's where beliefs sit. They're right. There's a big chunk of the iceberg, but it's actually most people don't go that deep and, and look at them, look at them. And deeper still, under the iceberg model, deep, 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 deep down, is your values. So your mm -hmm. values drive your beliefs. Your yep. beliefs drive your attitude. Your attitude drives your behavior, and your beha and your behavior drives the results that show up in life. So this is how the self-fulfilling prophecy comes into play. Because of course, if you have a belief that you can't do something, that'll that'll mean that your attitude will be lower on on the mm -hmm. scale of one to ten. It'll be lower and your behavior will be not particularly great, which will then have an impact on the results. So if you think you can't do something, you won't be particularly in a great state, which will then have an impact on your behavior, i.e. what you do and say when you're interacting with people, so your energy won't be there, and then you won't be able to get the sale, reinforcing your limiting belief that it wasn't possible. So if you've been given a high sales target, you'll think, oh, well, that's not possible. I can't achieve it. So your attitude towards it will be poor. So your motivation towards it won't be great, which will have an impact on your behavior, which will then have an impact on the results. And then you'll go back to your boss and I told you it was too too high. And I knew yeah. it all, all along. And then the reverse is true for a self-fulfilling prophecy in a positive state is if you believe you can do it, you'll be energetically engaged, motivated, self-motivated, in the right state which will then create really good behaviors when you're interacting con conversing with your clients which will have better outcomes and then of course reinforcing i'm on i'm on this you know i'm on a roll you know so um, yeah, it's very interesting so how do you uh, dig into the beliefs is look at the values that you value so what are you valuing and a lot of people don't know those. I can share with you, and you might want to share it with your listeners. I can send you the backward glance exercise that I—it's a very simple exercise that I get people to fill out. So it's literally a, a bunch of values on a piece of paper, and you order them from, you know, in order, in terms of priority. So you you 
basically looking back on your life and saying, okay, so what do I want to be remembered for out of all these values? And then you do another stop take on where am I spending my time and energy and where have I been spending my time and energy in the last couple of years? And then look at the two scores and think, oh, ouch, I'm, I'm a long way, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place here. And so when, when you see that, it helps you realize your values which you can then start thinking about your beliefs and digging into them yeah uh i'm i love the the values and beliefs talk and you know if you think about training and and getting people to change behavior you normally work on skill right you try and yeah. develop the skill but if you actually get into their head and start playing with the way they see themselves or they talk to themselves and ultimately how their their self-identity and self-image it's a huge place to play around with that it's fun to go with oh, um massive let's i know you got tea time so i'm aware that you've got to be out on the tea and kind of <laughs> like wet weather gear uh so just yeah keep hold of the club don't let it go flying off into the bush yeah. i didn't want that <laughs> let's let's kind of just just tilt a little bit towards the leader's role um yep. in an organization and the importance of you you said about nurturing um but what what is it and you work with a lot of kind of c-suite individuals what do you work with them on what are the things that leaders can do to to drive their own obviously build their own emotional intelligence but also how can they build a culture of emotional intelligence and, and acceptance of, of yeah, kind of emotional that's a, side? that's a great question brené brown's done a lot of work around uh, you 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 started this talk by sharing three stories matthew perry and your two friends and their ability so matthew perry's perhaps not i don't know his story necessarily but the ability to be vulnerable. So a leader, a leader needs to be able to demonstrate what good looks like. So they need to be an example of what great leadership looks like. So how how good are they at interacting with people? And a lot of people, they, there's a great saying, which is people don't care about um, what you know until they find out that you know that you care. So they that the leader needs to show that they care about the individuals within the organization. It's not about the bottom line. Because ultimately, if you can if they can show that, that means that they're more connected, they're more engaged, and the mental health and well-being. So you're again, I go back to this piece of growing someone's self-regard. So where do I work? Where do I typically spend most of my time? I spend most of my time with leaders on creating awareness of the patterns of behavior that they are running. So a lot of leaders think it's it's them, it's the rest, you know, it's the people that work for them that's the issue. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a great book that your listeners might want to get a copy of at some point. It's called Leadership and Self-Deception. Okay. And here's yeah. here's the story behind the book because actually it's such a powerful um, start to the book. There's a guy called Albert Semmelweis, who um, was a professor in Obzungaini over in Austria. And this is in the late 1800s, so 1890s, something like that. And he was, his hospital in Austria, in Vienna, had the highest mortality rates of all the hospitals in Austria. And he was particularly interested in trying to find out, of course he would be, trying to find out why they had higher mortality rates than everyone else. And what and he looked at everything. He looked at the nursing, he looked at everyone else in the in the whole structure of the hospital. Couldn't find the reason. And then he went away on uh, a holiday for two weeks and the mortality rates went down. 
when he was away and it forced him it forced him to look at himself and say it must be me you know because he was he was looking elsewhere for the reason yeah, yeah, yeah. and actually interestingly he did all the um the postmortems for the deaths and he was basically what he was doing was he was transferring disease from dead patients into live patients so he was he was literally killing people off so wow. he, all of a sudden his awareness raised and this is where actually you know how we all um the biggest thing that we did for covid was washing our hands mm -hmm. that's where it came from it came from albert semmelweis the the world health organization knew that actually the most important thing you could do to make sure that um disease wasn't transmitted was to actually sterilize your hands wash your hands that's where that came from wow so um the Abel semmelweis story is creating the awareness for the leader that actually what impact are you having what fingerprint are you leading on the organization on the individuals within your team mm -hmm. are you engaging and inspiring them are you have you got the ability to motivate them in a in a healthy way in a sustainable yeah. way and I, I think that's the thing about emotional intelligence if you build and grow your emotional intelligence it's sustainable so where i work is predominantly um creating the awareness of their life positions and most the most important scale is self-regard yeah and it's about it, go, it links back to the the whole classic um pre-brief that you get when you're on a flight you know put your own oxygen mask on first so you've got to love and accept yourself warts and all to be able to then love and accept others effortlessly so you can you can sort of get away with it if you haven't got a high self-regard you can sort of get away with it it's a bit clunky so self-regard's critical self-awareness is where it actually happens so we measure 16 different scales on the emotional intelligence um, questionnaire so self-regard self, -regard, self uh, um, regard for others self-awareness and awareness of others so how good are you at uh, navigating and sensing in yourself and also in others the patterns of behavior and then we we look at the whole load of self-management scales so how do you manage yourself what's your emotional resilience like What's your personal power like? What's your goal directedness like? So all these scales are measured. And then we measure the other side of the equation, which is your relationship management scales. And, and then finally, at the back of the report, we look at um, your reflective learning. So how good are you at reflecting back? And that's where journaling comes into play. How good are you at reflecting back on all those conversations that you've had throughout the day, week, month? Um, and checking in with yourself to say oh yeah i've i've been running a certain pattern and i've been repeating this pattern so um it's about creating the awareness for the leaders of the patterns that they are running that are that are strong for them which is great and then developing some of those other aspects of their emotional intelligence where they could get some big results i.e you know that awareness of their most important role is to nurture their the people within the organization to inspire them engage them that's the critical bit that's the bit that then helps with the mental well-being yep yeah if if not if you've got a leader that you know let's just go back to that the metaphor if you've got a leader that's 50% of the time in a great space and 50% in a not in a great space you're going to be anxious as a person that works for them you're yeah. going to be well what's going to how's jim going to show up today you know so that's going to create anxiety 
And it's amazing just how big an impact that can have on people within the organization. So the leader doesn't look at them. They think, oh, they're just lazy or they're not engaged or they're not motivated. You know, just motivate yourself, for God's sake. You know, but actually, it's not about that. You know, it's not yeah. about that at all. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I'm, I'm glad these are, these are in-ear headphones. I've still got the old school cable ones. Uh, I can see you're, you're, you're still a fan of, of things that plug in. Um, I'm, I'm glad it doesn't pick up the voices inside of my head because as, <laughs> as you were sharing that, I'm literally just berating myself on the inside, thinking about the patterns that I know historically I've run, and there's probably quite a few that I, I continue to run to this day. And so I think, like, you know, we'll go back to your ABCs, uh, of success, that awareness, I think just being hyper aware of, of the thought processes. That, again, it could be fluffy, but it's not. It's really like you say, how am I showing up? How am I showing up to the team? What is my relationship with them? How am I? And I think you called it like last time we called it OK Corral. I think we're running out of time, but we can, yeah. we can touch on that another time. I'm OK, you're OK versus not OK. That kind of balance. Um, and just being, like you say, consistent in your approach taking time to to focus on the other person nurturing them as a leader jim there's been some absolute gems in this and uh i think we covered some different topics to last time but i yeah. think the topics that we covered today have been super useful and i've still had that same reaction in my brain which is a uh, come on you still got stuff to learn which is exactly exactly what yeah there um, is i, I mean you, there's so much um we've we've literally just scratched the surface today and i i've sort of gone off on tangents i hope it's sort of relatively clear for your listeners because it is significant you know it, it's the game changer so organizations interestingly organizations when they're under pressure they cut the budget for developing people they cut travel they cut all those things and they're trying to focus on the bottom line if you if a leader wants to improve the the performance the engagement and the well-being of their people then investing in emotional intelligence and let, let's face it we're losing we're losing a lot of money on the table one trillion a year yeah. in not paying attention to this so the small investment of doing some stuff work with an organ you know a coach or whatever to improve their emotional intelligence would be extremely useful and it will it proves the the return on investment is significant in comparison to all the time lost off um people being off sick yeah well like you said i think the stat was 21 percent of people are engaged at work yeah and, i mean and that's terrible yeah. so and that and then actually the 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 data is 24 percent are disengaged actively actively mm. disengaged yeah. so they're throwing hand grenades in they're snipering that they're, they're not engaged at all and then you've got this middle. So where they spend a lot of their time is trying to performance manage the disengaged people. Right. Where they should be spending their time is in the middle cohort, which is a significant yeah. chunk of people, 60%-ish, um, and try and get them to jump up to the fully yeah. engaged people. Exactly. You know, From neutral to engage. Just, just get rid of the people that are slowing you down. And and the, the, res the answer is not get back in the office. The answer is not whips and chains. <laughs> The answer is, hey, how are you? Like, and, and asking the question, like, what do you need to feel engaged? What do you, as an individual, like, what makes you come alive? And then how do we, how do I, as a as a leader, structure yeah. that for you? Um, their ability, question. yeah, their ability to show that they care. I yeah. had, I had, I, I interviewed a uh, leader, 
an exceptional leader that I coached many years ago who is phenomenal. Uh, he is an exceptional leader. He basically puts in his diary when he's traveling around the world, he puts in his diary a couple of hours where he's just not available. Yeah. And he does that deliberately so that he can walk around the office in that time Amazing. and yeah. have deliberately have just conversations with people, checking in with them. How's the family, you know, the kids, you know, all this sort of stuff. He does that deliberately. Now, I don't know many leaders that actually deliberately put time in their diary to just go and have a walk around the office and check in with people. And, um, you know, I, I, it was sort of a surprise to me that he did it, but it doesn't surprise me because he is an emotionally intelligent guy, you know, so. It's great leaders like that, like you say, the fingerprint, it leave the, the fingerprint is there for for many years and i very quickly just want to tell a story about one leader who i still remember to this day and what he did was a guy called john mazer he's still running businesses in america he he was living in amsterdam ceo of a, a marketing company that i was working with and literally the best people leader i've ever met this is insane um and he would he would have personal relationships with everyone in the sales team. And I remember one day he just came out, and I think his kid was at a Montessori school. Right? This is this is I don't I, why I know all of this is is ridiculous. Right? There's there's space that's taking up in my brain that I want to keep because it's so impactful. And his kid had been given this puzzle. Right? It's a four piece jigsaw puzzle, and it was the letter T. And he came out onto the sales floor. And he put this this four piece jigsaw puzzle out there and said, "Off you go. Like, see if you can solve this." And there's a group of like hungry internet marketing consultants, like super like passionate, like so energized that there was a massive buzz. And they looked at this puzzle and everyone trying to get fight it couldn't put this four piece jigsaw puzzle together as a kid's <laughs> toy. And he came in and he just leaned over and he took one of the pieces and he turned it upside down. And step back and everyone was like oh, amazing and it was that level of engagement with people just and it, all he did at the end was like see things differently something like that it was just that level of thing and he would just every day he'd ask people how are you doing like what's tell me something about you and he would make notes on everyone he met it was amazing one of the best people leaders possible and that's the fingerprint right that yeah is, it is that is the fingerprint yeah. so Mesa, thank you very much uh it stuck uh, as did that conversation that we had that one time. Um, sales leaders, this is your opportunity. Like Jim, thank you so much for sharing the ideas. There were some tangents, that's perfect. People will have taken what they want. The question now is, will they take action on it and go and yeah. do something with it and follow through on that commitment to yep. being better people leaders and more emotionally intelligent? Thank you so much. This has been a phenomenal conversation. I wish you every success on the golf course, or at least one or two good shots. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. It's my par threes that I struggle on. And Dan, it's been a pleasure. It's lovely to connect again, um, part two, uh, and look forward to maybe a part three where we can drill down and dig into some of this stuff, talk about maybe some of the scales next time um, on another podcast episode. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jim. And yeah, definitely. We'll do episode three soon. You know what I think, Ron? I think that was a sales call. Good job, buddy. So you're going to buy a subscription? No, I already get the times. Bye-bye.